Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week we are recapping Gilmore Girls Season 4, Episode 5, titled The Fundamental Things Apply. The episode bio is Lorelai struggles to hide details of her life from Emily. Rory discovers that college dating isn't easy. Lorelai invites Luke over for movie night. It's pretty extend like extensive compared to some of the uh, bios. Yeah. I there's no like transitions though. It felt very much like three unrelated mm-hmm. sentences as I was reading it, but yeah, we got a lot of details. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before we get into things, don't forget to rate and review us, uh, especially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And you can also listen ad-free on Patreon. Um, You can find us just Talking Fast Podcast. Once you sign up as a patron, you can then connect it to your Spotify. If you want to keep listening on Spotify, you'll just get it ad-free there and still be supporting us on Patreon. Mm -hmm. So check that out if you're interested. Okay. Initial thoughts on our fifth episode of the season. How do you feel about it? I think I liked it. There was a lot (laughs) of cool stuff in it. It was, it felt like a very autumnal episode. We got like the great uh, town square decorations and stuff. It was kind of all over the place with the different plot lines, but I felt like they still worked well together you know if Mm -hmm. that makes sense (laughs) I enjoyed it overall (laughs) what did you think yeah I thought it was like another strong episode overall and I've enjoyed how they are like exploring the new parts of Rory's life as she's in Mm -hmm. this like college phase and so I liked that they were like seeing what dating looks like for Rory now and this is something like we've kind of begged for the fact that she never dates Mm -hmm. and now I feel like we maybe get one episode this might be the only time she ever dates but at least we get it once (laughs) and I just enjoyed seeing the the awkward but excite the awkward and exciting parts of like dating in college Mm -hmm. so yeah (laughs) and her first rejection it hurt secondhand rejection hurt (laughs) (laughs) I also did want to note that at one point they Lorelai's adamant that she has never dated and I just am so fed up with the Alex erasure of this show (laughs) they clearly dated they were not in a relationship (laughs) yeah not not really you know they they just went on dates nothing more so I don't know what that was about (laughs) poor Alex poor guy should we do our talking fast segment yes and you are going first this yes My mind is kind of mush today because I was in meetings all afternoon. (laughs) Not participating, just sitting there. (laughs) I think just sitting in meetings is the most mushifying part. Yeah, you're like attempting to pay attention, but also you can't pay attention. So we'll see how this goes. All right. (laughs) You're setting yourself up for success, I believe. (laughs) On your mark, get set, go. So we start off with a bulbs uh, weird moment between Rory and Lorelai and Pavette. We also are getting some more progress on the Dragonfly Inn with a designer who's working with Lorelai and Suki, who also happens to have designed things for Emily in the past. Meanwhile, at Yale, Paris is mad at Janet for exercising, and Rory is attempting to realize that uh, she can date 
So she's trying to do that, and Lorelai invites Luke over for movie night. Perfect. Uh. <laughs> I tried. Okay. Are you yeah. ready? Set? Go. Janet and Paris are fighting over this alarm and morning exercise problems, so they agree to race to figure it out. Meanwhile, Rory is going through a problem of her own, figuring out dating. She eventually goes on a date. It doesn't go that well, but she tried. And then she gets rejected by another guy. And then Lorelai and Suki are working on the inn with Natalie. Lorelai tries to dump her, but Natalie talks her way back into it. And then there's a movie night with Luke and Lorelai, but it's not a date, although he's comfortable. (laughs) I just made a cat noise at you. Like, I just said boop instead of beep. (laughs) Sorry. That's funny. Uh, you talk I'm just cats so a lot. used to I know they're my main source of conversation throughout the day. Love it. Love it. By the way, you might be interested and our listeners, one of my cats recently passed away, mm. but my brother thought that he had two male cats um and recently one of them had a litter of kittens. Uh, so I'm going to adopt one, so I'll have a kitten soon. So that's yay! Fun. Congratulations! <laughs> Thanks. Oh, what did Babette name the kitten they got after Sweet Cinnamon oh. passed away? R.I.P. I want to say like, was it Peaches? It might have been Peaches. Like yeah. This will be your Peaches. Yeah, I'm gonna. It's gonna be an orange cat also because oh. all of the kittens are orange, mm-hmm. which brings up some incest questions between the parents we don't need to worry about both it. orange <laughs> yeah All right. anyways let's get into the episode yes let's as you mentioned our cold open is about bulbs and babette or babette and bulbs some gardening it's fall it's a silly cold open what more mm-hmm. is there to say <laughs> yeah they both squeal from bugs and moldy bulbs i guess <laughs> yeah babette makes some kind of innuendos double entendres about bulbs and things yeah she says once they like grow i'll back away from the microphone to try to impersonate her <laughs> pow <laughs> color coming out of well, your color. yin-yang <laughs> uh, um wow babette yeah i did actually have my stars hollow nomination in this opening scene though throughout the episode there are so many different fall decorations to note but I particularly wanted to highlight the decorations at Babette's house because Mm -hmm. we get like a camera angle we don't often get we're like in the yard looking straight ahead at their house and so you can see of course her gnome collection but then it's also you know she's got pumpkins she's got a scarecrow like hanging on the door it's just very autumnal and cute and yeah she's yelling at them from her porch it's very like yeah classic stars hollow yeah small town i did also note the fall decor there it was great Mm -hmm. that reminds me i need to put out my fall decor um so after the cold open we are at yale for a quick scene where paris is on a rampage she's been having a problem with janet who is the fourth roommate that we we met last week i think Mm -hmm. Uh, but she never really spoke. <laughs> but she, as we found out last week, is an athletic person. And she apparently gets up at 5.30 in the morning to go running. And Paris is woken up by her alarm every day. Rory supposedly has suggested multiple times that she wear uh, earplugs. But she does not do that. So that is going to be kind of an ongoing 
side plot for the episode. Mm-hmm. And we also get a bit of, not really a consequence, but Rory missed her alarm um, and is running to breakfast late in the last moments trying to get the last dregs of food <laughs> in her pajamas in the dining hall which I don't know if I would have even gone if I was gonna be late like that I would have just eaten a pop-tart <laughs> in my dorm room but mm-hmm. my first question is like how loud would Janet's alarm be to wake up Paris who's in like a whole other room and they have like a suite separating them too Yeah, that's a great... I mean, this was the day before cell phone alarm, so it would have been like the Mm. alarm clock that's like the loud beeping, but still, I'm assuming Janet doesn't let it go for long. Yeah. So I think Paris is just being a bit... Having that like trying to get used to living with people who have completely different schedules than you is hard and she's not taking it well. (laughs) Yeah, trying to like assert control over the situation. Mm -hmm. Later on, Paris does mention... She's annoyed by the sounds that apparently Janet works out in the common room and like grunts and things like that. I could see how that would maybe be more audible, but you're right. This Mm -hmm. is very like roommates just having a roommate tiff. But after we've all heard your problem, Suzanne, I feel like this is like, (laughs) as far as roommates go, a welcome conflict. Yeah, especially with the common room. That makes such a huge difference. Yeah. Like, you could put a towel under the gap under the door, put on earplugs. So many solutions. It'd be fine. Yeah. Oh, Paris. But as you had mentioned, Rory running to breakfast in her pajamas for Waffle Day was my... It was a nomination for me. I nominated it for our out of our Ivy League as like a standout... Yale College moment of the episode I this this one isn't though it's not quite out of my league actually so much as it is in my league I remember when I started out my first year I would try to make it to breakfast as often as possible so when I would go to breakfast there was often waffles and they were really good and they would sometimes change flavor as well so there would be like strawberry waffles or something like that but shortly in I was not a morning person so I would just sleep in and miss breakfast as well um so I respect her you know going for waffles but then running into Marty again and we learn you know they remember each other's names they know them and this is a weird (laughs) interaction yeah which we learn after the fact that Marty sees Rory in her robe and thinks of it as the opportunity to like even the playing field as he puts it because he's thinking she's in an embarrassing position and then if I introduce her to my friends she'll be embarrassed the same way I was embarrassed in front of her which was just like such a weird mind games kind of situation Mm -hmm. that I did not remember being Marty's thing yeah it it does seem like kind of out of character from what we get later for him and it's also just like a douchebag move to be honest (laughs) like wait until somebody else is as embarrassed as you but also running to the dining hall in your pajamas is nowhere near as embarrassing as being passed out naked in the hallway 100 percent. but also like introducing her to friends just to embarrass her that's 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 not good (laughs) no forgiveness for that yeah I don't know it's That's like what he says after the exchange, but maybe Mm -hmm. to kind of give him some generous reading, like that's not actually 
why he did it in the moment and it's afterward that he's trying to make chit chat and be like oh yeah remember the time I was embarrassed like you're in a robe now too but yeah I don't know it's kind of hard to explain (laughs) away how weird it was in general yeah he does say he's been hiding from her since then until he saw her yeah like this so that kind of means it makes it a little bit more premeditated yeah, that he, like, found her to be approachable now because he's like, oh, we're mm-hmm. we're the same, he thinks, you know. <laughs> yeah. I've also noted a few times that we get a side character who shows up again. I don't think he's been named yet, but it's Glenn, yeah. the, like, red-headed boy. We saw him, I think, in the first Yale episode, maybe at the party episode. I don't remember for sure, but yeah, here he is he again. Yeah, I think he was the one talking about... Friends like NPR or something Uh or Paris said they sounded like bad talk radio yeah that might that sounds sounds right but he's like a funny kind of comedic character later on yeah never really has a full storyline but shout out to Glenn (laughs) yeah (laughs) so after we get to Luke's um where Lorelai seems to have taken over multiple tables as her office space (laughs) she's got like Uh, papers all over the tables and Luke is mad because she has three tables and she's on the phone talking with uh was this Natalie at this point that she was talking on the phone with I think so yeah they're setting up a meeting um so Luke is attempting to (laughs) kick her out in some great physical comedy like shooing her out the door as she walks really slowly and finishes her conversation before she gets out uh just Lorelai trolling Luke as usual Indeed. And Luke is kind of in a weird, weird mood. Grumpier than the usual grumpy, which we'll learn a, a little bit more about later on. In this scene, the other major moment is another phone call that Lorelai wishes Luke would kick her out of the shop for so that she could hang up. Uh, but of course, it is Emily <laughs> who is calling because... She's annoyed that Lorelai hasn't been RSVPing for Friday night dinner, which I feel like is so Emily to like want a formal RSVP for a family dinner. But I also understand the whole like she wants to know who's coming so that she can tell someone else to do the cooking for that amount of people. (laughs) But I do like how she phrases it. One of life's great mysteries is whether or not you'll come to Friday dinner. Um... And this interaction, as well as the later one, just had me really taking stock of, like, how their relationship really is at, like, an all-time low, like, lower than it has been in quite some time. I feel like we got to enjoy them a little bit in season three, and now it's just, like, every exchange they have on both sides, they're both so hostile to one another, and it... I, like, forget, like, for what? Like, what even caused this? And it, it's hard to even remember, you know? Yeah, was it all because of the money? Yeah, that the was, like, the back. straw? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I did notice a couple of things in this scene. One, Emily had her hair up in a ponytail, which I don't think we ever see. We've never seen it before, and I don't think we ever see it again. <laughs> but I liked it. I thought it looked good. It was, like, a low ponytail, so it still looked sleek and classy and all that. Mm-hmm. And I also had my Friday night dinner in this scene. Ah, yes. I thought about this as well. (laughs) Um, Michelle shows up and he, I noted a lot of great clothing in this episode. This is in my Lorelai's closet, but. Was packed. This episode was packed with fashion. I thought the same thing. Every single outfit. And he's wearing like a plum 
top but just looks really good um Lorelai is also by the way in a red turtle like mock turtleneck tank top knit so thing cute. which looks so good on her but he comes in and he is on a diet again but this is one of his crazy days so he can <laughs> eat whatever he wants and this is my Friday night dinner I don't think I need to belabor it too much because we've talked about um, the food stuff before and like the diet culture that Michelle is like the main representative of for the show but it's just so and I know this was very much of the time yeah I remember like having cheat meals myself at this time like very 2000s into just even recently I think but it's just so annoying to see it still where he he's like this svelte figure like he <laughs> it's just so annoying that he's always on a diet and then whenever he can eat what he wants he calls it a crazy day which is like a double whammy of fat phobia and also like insensitivity towards mental health <laughs> yeah implying people who eat whatever they want every day are yeah. quote-unquote crazy yeah so it was just just a bunch of like I just wish we could clip all those lines out of the whole show and I feel like things would be a little bit better because they're also not consequential I want better for him but obviously yeah. I don't have a time machine and I can't change the whole like <laughs> society that it represented at the time yeah but I want better for us and so yeah maybe a version where that is clipped out would be a little more pleasant to watch for us <laughs> yeah though I also know how people feel about going back and fixing old media I was around for when they inserted Hayden Christensen at the end of The Return of the Jedi <laughs> in the little, like, force ghost scene. Everybody was super pissed about that, so. Poor Hayden Christensen. But still, I know. Like, got so much hate. Yeah, poor guy. He was so young. He's been great in the live action stuff he's been in lately, like Ahsoka. Can we say that? And he was in Has Obi-Wan. enough time passed? Yeah. No, I'm just saying it's a spoiler. <laughs> Oops. Well, he was an Obi-Wan that came out like a year ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm just kidding. But no, you're right. <laughs> so it was kept under wraps for a minute. Yeah. It was a great surprise. I'm going to make a poll for this episode to see what the crossover of Gilmore Girls and uh, Ahsoka slash Star Wars fandom is. I've been really into Ahsoka to the point where it has me wanting to like watch the animated Star Wars, which I've never oh, really Rebels. had the urge. Um, or Rebels even read is books. great. Rebels, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I listen, also listen to the audiobook. Ahsoka is like five hours long, so mm. I did that as well. Yeah, I'm like really loving the character Ahsoka as well as the show mm-hmm. itself. But like I really enjoy the character and I also really like Rosario Dawson as an actor. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like in love with the show right now. <laughs> Yeah, definitely watch Rebels because so far Ahsoka has been like a sequel to the Rebels show. <laughs> okay, perfect. I will do that. Back to Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Back to Gilmore Girls. Although we are about to enter a college class about Ernest Hemingway. So I'm going to go off on another reference <laughs> to another uh, pop culture thing. But it's part of my Rory's bookshelf. So this is not me getting sidetracked. This is planned. Um <laughs> As we return to Yale with Rory, she's in a class where they're talking about the novel The Sun Also Rises. Mm -hmm. And she and her classmates are debating this like tried and true topic of the main character Jake's impotence in the novel. Um, He was injured in the war, so he's no longer 
And I got, I was reading Britannica, like an encyclopedic website (laughs) about this novel. And they said that, I could not believe this. They said, Jake, the novel's narrator, is a journalist and World War I veteran. During the war, Jake suffered an injury that rendered him impotent. The title obliquely references Jake's injury and what no longer rises because of it. <laughs> Can you believe uh, that? Hemingway. That is just so inappropriate. <laughs> if it was an, any other author, I wouldn't be. But Hemingway, that's just like so in line with his him, him as a author. It's funny. I was like, I feel like the title is not making that pun. But now that <laughs> I think of it, like I'm always going to think about that. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's interesting to see an English class happen in the show. And I felt like it was, for the most part, fairly accurate to conversations I've seen. Like, they're debating what this impotence symbolizes. And one of the characters is the classic, like, your your classmate who, like, discovered Marx recently and is, like, only Mm -hmm. doing Marxist readings. And I respect it, you know. So she's talking about, like, the social context and Rory's reading of it. This classmate is like, well, you're ignoring the social context. And um, I think what I found, like, I was like, if I was teaching this class, I'd be like, where do you see this in the text? Like, point me to where your, like, your evidence is in the text of, like, what this impotence might symbolize. But, um, yeah, you know, as far as this goes, I think this is just such a, like, stereotypical choice of, like, if I had asked someone, like, what do you think Rory might read in college? I feel like Hemingway and then Fitzgerald comes up later, like, they're reading Tender's the Night Next. Like, that is so classic. I actually, though, did take a Hemingway and Fitzgerald class. Like, it was only those two oh, writers. Cool. And looking back now, I'm like, why did I do that? Because <laughs> I don't hate them. Like, I... Hemingway, I think, is boring. Like, I like The Sun Also Rises because it is more about social stuff, but everything else he writes is, like, war. Fitzgerald, Mm -hmm. I'm more a fan of because he is more social stuff. But either way, they're, like, a little bit overhyped or overrepresented, I think, is the problem. But I just really loved The Professor, so that's why I took the class. And now looking back, Mm -hmm. I'm like, we didn't even read a single, like, anything else than The White Men, like, we could have had supplementary texts, you know, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Responding texts. Yeah. So I just was like, I have to make this my Rory's bookshelf. I expected that. <laughs> I think I've mentioned before I'm not a fan of modernist literature. Mm. At least not like this this genre, like Hemingway, Fitzgerald. The Lost Generation. I just don't like, yeah. I just don't like the writing style. Mm. Some of the stories are cool, but the writing style is just like so circuitous, kind of fever dreamish, you know. <laughs> it's because they're reeling from the war, the chaos of society. Mm-hmm. They don't believe in anything anymore. They're like mm-hmm. getting rid of the past and the, you know, realism or whatever. But they also like are yeah. just experimenting, but. They're lost and they like to go to Paris, Parisian cafes, <laughs> so on and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> I had a moment right after the Yale scene here. Um, Rory goes back to Stars Hollow with a bag of laundry. And this is my out of our Ivy League moment. <laughs> Again, like just like yours, this is more for relatability than for it being unrelatable because... She's complaining about how people like take your laundry right yeah. out of the washing machine is like and leave it in all sorts of places. 
And this is not just a college dorm problem. This is any like shared laundry room. <laughs> I, this has happened to me so many times over the years and people are just so rude about it. But at the same time, as somebody who, when I had a shared laundry room, always timed, yeah, like put an alarm for myself to go pick up stuff. There is no excuse for leaving your things in the washer for over an hour. Mm -mm. (laughs) You can't just forget about things. You need to set alarms. It's just rude. At that point, like if it's anything, if it's anything over 30 minutes, I feel like it's justified to move people's stuff out of a machine. Yeah, I would even go as far to say like 10 minutes. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I'm going to be harsh. (laughs) Depends on how, I think depends on how many machines there are fair I would say maybe I lived in an apartment with only one machine for the whole it was a small building but I mean and we had to pay coins it was so whatever it's really a problem from both ends it's the people Mm -hmm. who dump it on the floor or the people who leave it in forever so I this I agree this was relatable I think the unrelatable part is how close and how often Rory goes home to do I her know. laundry. Yeah. Um, but I almost feel like she's going home just out of like comfort and convenience mm-hmm. in a way because I did track like this episode is almost like there's a couple other days, but it's like three Fridays in a row. This is like happening over three weeks. And so like the opening mm-hmm. was one Friday. This seems to be the next week, Friday. And like she's coming home. That's like she was just home last weekend. Yeah. How much laundry does she like? She needs more clothes if she's going through them that fast in a week. And I feel like maybe it's not a logical reason, but like wanting to see Lorelai. And um, this is why it comes up that Lorelai is like, well, you said you weren't free to go on a date with that guy tomorrow. But like, yeah, you are free. Like, are you not interested? And so... They talk about it a little bit and Rory talks about like finding him like she's like, yeah, he's fine. Like I'm not that like, (laughs) well, okay. So one thing that she's not into, I found so funny from today (laughs) because she says (laughs) he carries a water bottle everywhere and I'm like, and Lorelai says, right, hydration, really creepy. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, little did they know, we go through, like, phases of water bottles now Mm -hmm. in, like, terms of everyone has water bottles. I'm drinking from my Owala water bottle right now for proof. (laughs) Oh, you've got... Mine was a gift, though. This is very... We should post the (laughs) colors we chose because this is very... Our personalities, I feel like. This one was a gift, so I didn't choose the color, but it's the color I would have chosen. Yeah. (laughs) All black. (laughs) Yeah. Anywho, so like she's kind of find, finding small reasons to not be that into him. Um, mm-hmm. And Lorelai is sort of like, you know, this is when the conversation comes up that Rory has never dated. She's only ever had relationships. And I I love that this comes up within the context of the show. I forgot they had this conversation. But like this is something we say all the time. And I am just so glad Lorelai said it to Rory because Rory thought she had dated and she has not. She's just stumbled from one relationship to the next. And she still will, I think. Like, I think this is the last time, like I said, I think, I don't know if we see her date again, but at least she tried it once. <laughs> yeah. And Lorelai also gets that thrown back at her that she just goes from relationship to relationship, erasing Alex, but you know. But like, largely, it's fairly true as well, I would say. Mm-hmm. Minus yeah, the Alex they're both, erasure. Yeah. They're both kind of like all in on things they don't like go test the waters with people which I think is what dating really is Mm -hmm. they're like 
I've been obsessed with this person for a long time <laughs> or they've been obsessed with me for a long yeah. time. We're in a relationship now. Easy. Yep. <laughs> so this is kind of the impetus for Rory deciding to ask the guy out later. We didn't really cover the scene where he attempted attempted to ask her out, but mm-hmm. she basically didn't really get what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me of Paris not realizing that Jamie yeah. had asked her out. Yeah. <laughs> The guy even kind of looked like Jamie. Yeah, like preppy. Similar, like preppy. Yeah. Yeah. But after this scene, we go into Luke's. And so this is the follow-up from the phone call with the designer earlier on. And she is, oh, maybe this is the time that she's taking up three tables, not the time earlier. But anyway, she's taking up a whole bunch of space again. And she has like all the design stuff out from Natalie, who is our new designer, they tell Luke that they're going to get stable or they're going to get horses. And Luke's response is my Rory's bookshelf for the episode. He calls her National Velvet and says um, that she had then then tells her that she has to leave. And National Velvet is a horse book. <laughs> I went through, I think many girls went through this phase when they were younger, but <laughs> I went through a huge horse book phase maybe when I was in like fourth grade or something where I read like all of the Misty of Shinkatique books all of that kind of stuff and National Velvet is one that I still have on my bookshelf I don't really remember much of the plot but it's like uh basically a girl who's obsessed with horses um (laughs) ends up like winning a lottery or something so that she either gets a famous horse or gets a chance to work with one I don't remember exactly what happens but um and then I think it's I don't think it's as tragic as Black Beauty, but mm. I don't think it's a fully happy story. I don't remember. <sighs> but it's like it's from what I remember. I do remember enjoying it and like get that kind of childhood nostalgia feeling when I think of it. So if any of you are into horse books or horse no, girl horse girl genre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kids who are into them. And this is definitely like a I don't know, like a fourth or fifth grade reading level book mm. from what I remember so no yeah it was funny that Luke had that reference it is he must have read those books as well when he would yeah he's such a horse girl <laughs> um the final detail from the scene that's worth mentioning is the information that Natalie knows Emily it comes up casually in conversation Natalie doesn't even realize it's going to be a big deal but like Lorelai is clearly turned off like she doesn't say it in the dialogue but just her face and just knowing the character Mm -hmm. of course like this is a this is her red flag and a designer (laughs) who otherwise seems perfectly lovely and is the person that Lorelai is working well with and it seems like her and Suki have like had trouble finding the right designer Mm -hmm. so this is like a warning bells are going off in terms of Lorelai's feelings toward Natalie and then also the fact that like they need to keep Natalie on but Lorelai is turned off so yeah we'll see. We'll she's see gonna worry about that she's gonna have to suck it up maybe <laughs> yeah make a sacrifice for the business pretty but, much yeah we'll see <laughs> um which we are gonna discuss shortly before we get there there's one other quick scene back at Yale later in the day where Rory has um She's leaving class. It's pretty parallel to the other episode we saw of her in class. Mm -hmm. And she does something that I found to be super 
fun and I almost gave my gazebo <laughs> nomination just because like I was so impressed with her but she starts talking to Trevor about how she gets so hungry when she reads books <laughs> and that she liked this book so much that she's going to be hungry for a long time and she essentially gets him to ask her to dinner again um and she's like oh yeah sure you really like um where you really know how to like insist or she like implies that yeah, he was really persistent yeah like you're so persistent it was like just very fun <laughs> i thought it was such cute flirting mm-hmm. and it made me think like where did she get that practice of flirting i guess like she flirted yeah. with dean and jess a bit but this is like a different kind of like wooing kind of flirting and it made me just wish so much that we could see this side of her more like with more mm-hmm. casual relationships more things like that rather than just we always get like the intense romance and conflict Mm -hmm. we don't get as much as this fun flirty space I thought I thought it was kind of reminiscent of how Luke or Lorelai talks to Luke and Mm. teases him and flirts Mm -hmm. with him sometimes I wonder if that's where she got it oh yeah observation maybe (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I also as I said there were a lot of fashion things in this episode but I decided to give my Lorelai's closet to Rory's outfit here just because it's not the most standout one from the episode but it's the one that I really liked and with a different color scheme more black I would I would wear (laughs) it was like a, a light blue cable net cable knit sweater and underneath she had like a plum colored collared shirt Um, which is something I've never been able to pull off. It always feels so bulky to have a button-up shirt under a sweater, but Mm -hmm. it looks really good. And I just liked the color combination and also just cable knit sweaters always look so comfy. I agree. And that's the second plum shirt you've noticed this episode. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah. Love it. We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Whether you're redesigning a guest bedroom or renovating a historic inn, you deserve to have your aesthetic vision met. You also deserve exclusivity from your designer. Natalie and her famous designing prowess are here for you, and she definitely won't be there for relatives with whom you have a weird relationship. Natalie will help scour local antique shops to find everything you need for that little house on the prairie look. She's also got connections that will help get those prices down without having to haggle with Mrs. Kim. Tell Natalie that Talking Fast sent you when you call to get started on your big project, and Natalie will keep a special eye out for that one item that your relative will hate. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply the most so you can place it prominently in the new space. How else are those lawn jockeys going to get sold? I have my Lorelai's closet nomination in the next scene. This is the outfit Lorelai was wearing earlier, but you can see it best here as her and Suki are doing a walk and talk, as they call it, (laughs) about town. Lorelai has this she also has like a sweater vest over a top Mm -hmm. as well um and how would you describe the print it's like the diamonds argyle it's like yeah argyle but it almost seems like it wasn't as like uniform I want to say yeah yeah it's more it's more like patchwork almost yeah yeah so patchwork argyle it's like bright red and black her white shirt underneath is like a blouse that has these like long sleeves that kind of like flow about her hands and she's got this like black not a mini skirt but it's a shorter skirt and she's got tall black boots on and it's just like and she even wears glasses a few times Mm -hmm. which you never you don't often see and they're so funny Mm -hmm. like tiny little glasses that are so 2000s but like yeah she got her curly hair she just looks so fashionable it's so awesome and it was such like a good fall outfit too. Like it was almost, it was kind of daring with the color, like the orange and black combination. Mold. I feel like, yeah, it's very jack-o'-lantern, but it looked good in this outfit. I had my um, Stars Hollow moment for this kind of walkabout that they had because they're walking past all of the town square decorations. Mm-hmm. They're in their cozy looking outfits. Suki looks very pregnant. They're just you know, chatting about Stars Hollowy type of things, Colgate yeah. as a girl's name, that kind of stuff. It was just a very comfy scene for me. <laughs> it was cozy and comfy, and I loved all the decorations. For mm-hmm. Suki, I will say, I noticed last episode and this one, the fake pregnant belly they have for her looks quite fake. <laughs> yeah. It's like, did they buy that at the same store where they got Lane's um, purple <laughs> wig from last season? <laughs> yeah. And I think it's it's like super juxtaposed to, I think, maybe the second or maybe the second pregnancy in the show is when she's actually pregnant. Mm. I don't remember. But one of them is when she's actually pregnant. And you can really tell the difference in like what the real pregnant belly looks like. I, I feel like it's also an issue with them like trying to costume a plus size person and like mm. make them look pregnant also there's just like different body proportions that happens yeah. when happen when you're different sizes so it just looks funny it does look <laughs> funny um i have a second nomination in the scene as well so as they're walking and talking it comes up the topic of natalie and emily knowing natalie and Lorelai like broaches the topic of dumping her essentially like not working with her anymore and Suki is like whoa 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 like let's not do that (laughs) and Lorelai's like oh I guess I'll try but as Lorelai is explaining her hesitation with Natalie she says essentially like 
my essence, like my ability to be the sparkling creature that I am, depends on the complete and total separation of my life from my mother's life. And I thought this was like such a succinct way of her describing what's at like the heart of so many of the conflicts of the show. And it had Mm -hmm. me thinking about, and bear with me here, because I'm going (laughs) to reference Henry James, The Art of Fiction, and like a theory of critiquing novels, but it's relevant, I swear. So he's talking about like when you are critiquing a novel, the writer has like their um, donne, which is a French word, which means given. So like they have something that is given. And he writes like, we must grant the artist his subject, his idea, what the French call his donne. Our criticism is applied only to what he makes of it. And then he goes on to say in his very characteristic witty way, naturally, I do not mean that we are bound to like it or find it interesting. In case we do not, our course is perfectly simple, to let it alone. So it's very much about criticism should be oriented around like the author's execution of their given. And the way that Lorelai was just so point blank about this had me thinking like, this is one of the central like givens of Gilmore Girls is that Lorelai will like always believe that her life needs to be separate from Emily's like she's always going to have this like you know her prejudice against Emily and vice versa in a certain way and so like we just we think about like the execution of this and also like do we like it do we find it interesting but either way we can't it's never going to be like oh I wish they hadn't done it or you know because it's like that for whatever reason that's what they wanted to do it's their given so I was thinking about that and I'm like you know Sometimes they execute it in really sophisticated and complicated ways. Sometimes it's just, frankly, super annoying. Mm-hmm. Here, the whole Natalie thing, I found frustrating because it's like, Laura, like, come on. Like, just last episode, yeah. you were talking about business and, like, you like Natalie. She barely knows Emily. Like, just get over it. Um, but I, I just love the way that James was like, well, if you don't like their given, you could just leave it alone. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I'm not willing to leave alone Gilmore Girls. But <laughs> I guess I will try to remember to critique the execution. And we can take or leave that like theory of critique of fiction, right? Like this is just one way, one thought about it. It's not like the Bible. But I thought it was, I just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> I like that. I think it works really well. Because we can't have Gilmore Girls without that given. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that makes. I think that makes a lot of sense. I also found this this execution to be a bit silly mm-hmm. and just immature. Yeah, but they needed. I guess they needed something at this <laughs> point to to amp up their conflict. Because I feel like there's a big. I mean, there's the Jason stuff coming. So, but yeah, yeah I like that explanation. Thanks for bringing in some literary theory. Thank you. And. Yeah, I think it's like a practical thing of like, well, we need to keep people, we need to remind them that they're working on the inn and also Mm -hmm. that Emily and Lorelai are in a bad place. So they kind of like combined it for this plot, which I guess is like, again, practical, but from as a viewer, like we've already had to see like earlier Sookie not be that good at catering. Now we're seeing Lorelai not be that good at business. It's like frustrating when we're like, we know these characters can be good at these things probably. So Mm It's just like they're testing our patience a bit too often. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> After this, we have a quick scene at Luke's again. Lorelai runs in there and Luke opens up the conversation by going over all of the phone call messages that he's taken for her. 
because as we mentioned earlier, Luke's has become her office. Oh, why she can't work at home. I don't know. Maybe she just needs to be around people. I think that's probably it. Mm -hmm. But he also, she finally gets it out of him why he's been in such a bad mood lately. And I thought this was this was kind of touching. This is something we don't ever really get to see with Luke, but he is a bit upset because he had gotten Yankee tickets for him and Nicole, thinking that they would still be together at this point. And so now he's just like bummed that he that they're not together and also that he had high hopes. Mm-hmm. As he says, he has this rule for himself to never plan more than two days in advance, which is <laughs> not Luke's character. I have to say Luke is very, very much like a regimented plan person so I yeah. think that was just like for the line but yeah I get what he's saying he doesn't want to put expectations on relationships with other people maybe could have just worded it differently but mm-hmm. that's why he's bummed out which is yeah it's sad it's touching that he had act- like we it's kind of hard sometimes to really see how much investment he had with Nicole because it happened so quickly yeah and then they the divorce is happening now so we never really got to see much time with them together and it seems like so much of it happened off screen yeah which to a certain point I understand for a secondary character with a relationship that is not one of the main characters but Mm -hmm. like they went to a lot of shows together stuff like that we just didn't see and like you said we don't often get him talking about his feelings so we yeah, we don't necessarily know the depth of his feelings until mm-hmm. moments like this where Lorelai asks him what's going on because he yells at this customer, Ed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> poor he, Ed. <laughs> he tells Ed to choke on a hot dog. <laughs> like, that's so intense. mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and poor Ed. Yeah, poor Ed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but this ends with Lorelai asking Luke to a movie night, which immediately changes Luke's mood (laughs) like it's it's almost imperceptible except for seasoned watchers like us of course (laughs) because he he doesn't I don't think he thinks it's a date but I think he's like this could be a moment he's got that playing in his head so for somebody who just said that he doesn't like to invest hope in other people (laughs) he is clearly hoping or at least looking forward to having some alone time with Lorelai in a potentially romantic situation. Right. And like Lorelai also, I believe, isn't thinking of it as a date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not at but all. But it's a, it's two adults alone mm-hmm. watching movies Dinner and together. a movie. Yeah. Casablanca, <laughs> a romantic movie. Like, yeah. all of the elements are there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Netflix and chill. Yep. She's also kind of like in a way, I mean, not in a way, it's very blatant. She's kind of using Luke to replace Rory because she's saying that usually they would have a movie night. So that's another element of this. Um, But it's such an interesting scene that's coming up. I really like it. Yeah, yeah. Before we get there, we have one last event on Friday, which is, of course, the titular Friday night dinner. And... Mm -hmm. Let's see. This one is pretty short. We don't even end up seeing the dinner part, but we get a lot of fun conflict. And I say fun ironically, um, though it is kind of fun, actually, uh, because Lorelai arrives. She goes, hands her like coat and bag to Emily's current employee and then realizes Rory is running late and she doesn't want to be alone with Emily. So she exits the building, goes back into her car 
starts to jam out to some music and then is scared oh to gosh. death by Emily <laughs> popping up next to her window. And Emily catches her. Doesn't seem to believe Lorelai's excuse about looking for her lip gloss or whatever. <laughs> and insists that Lorelai comes inside. And they're like, this vibe continues with Emily telling Lorelai she's annoyed that Sookie is pregnant and Lorelai didn't tell her about it. And Lorelai is just like, who told you? And I don't know if we ever get that answer, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely not Natalie who right. tells. Cause we established that. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't, I don't think we ever did find out. Yeah. She probably called Kirk. <laughs> yeah. But this is another reason that kind of reignites the... Lorelai is worried about Natalie fire because she suspects it was Natalie when we learn it wasn't later on. Um, and the only other conversation we hear is a bit about Rory talking about her upcoming date <laughs> and how she got him to ask her out. And Emily says, Rory, you're in Yale, not Amsterdam. You got to be careful <laughs> yeah. about how you present yourself as being available. <laughs> also, the lines that Emily had here, Lorelai offers Roy to borrow her some of her clothes and Emily's response to this is that all Lorelai's clothes are sex in the city ensembles which in any other episode would have been a great Rory's bookshelf but there was a lot to choose from this Mm -hmm. time yeah and Lorelai's like what do you know about sex in the city I could totally (laughs) see Emily watching that show yeah she would love it because it's all like it's all about money really money and love that whole show money and sex fashion yeah yeah shoes yeah. Um, so after this, we are at another scene with, uh, I keep calling, wanting to call Natalie Nicole, and it like mm. messes with my head because they're just too similar. But Natalie has long hair that's always in a ponytail. Her look is yeah. sleek ponytail professional. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Nicole has the short red bob. Yeah, which is chic. Yeah. So Lorelai and Suki are shopping with Natalie. Um, it took me a second, but they're in Mrs. Kim's Antiques. Yeah, I didn't fully realize till they were outside. Yeah, me neither. Because they're, like, standing in front of a shelf of, uh, like, china and stuff, which I don't feel like we often see when we walk through the antique store. But uh, Natalie's talking about how they're kind of going for a little house on the prairie vibe, which, again, would have been another great Rory's bookshelf. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Lorelai, you can tell something's still bothering her. She starts doing all this posturing about money. There's a bench there that's like thousands of dollars. And Lorelai's, and Natalie says that she can find them a cheaper version that's still good or whatever. And Lorelai's like, no, we can buy it. We can afford it, which is obviously not the so case. He's like, what? <laughs> yeah. I thought, and Natalie did this perfectly. During all of this, she picked up on it that there was something going on. She was like, I'm just going to head outside and look at this other stuff. Let Sookie yeah. and Lorelai deal with it. I thought that was like expert, especially it shows that she's somebody who has to work in close quarters with people who often have conflicts with each other. Like Emily. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like on that note, when Lorelai goes out to talk to her, I thought Natalie handled this like so professionally and, like, managed to talk her way back into the job as she describes mm-hmm. it. Like, essentially assuring her, I, I don't keep in touch with Emily that much. Like, if you're uncomfortable with it, I won't work with her now or moving forward. 
like everything is secure with me and like I love this project like Mm -hmm. you know redesigning rooms is her work but like her passion project is something like redesigning the inn and so she really like reassure she gets Lorelai back on her side and I was like you go Natalie yeah like (laughs) yeah she seems like a great businesswoman also just a good person to work with Mm -hmm. and Lorelai meanwhile is being a petulant child (laughs) (laughs) she she came around in the end for now for now (laughs) until later when she goes back again but the (sighs) next scene is back at Yale where Rory is trying on outfits in front of Tana, which made very little sense to me, and also it seemed to Tana. <laughs> well, Rory's trying to bond with her. I guess. She says, like, we're bonding right now, Tana. Like, pay attention. <laughs> I was Tana. like, this actually is a sign. We had said before that, like, it's like, oh, Rory doesn't seem to like bond with her roommates very much Mm -hmm. or like make new friends like oh she's kind of trying with tana here like (laughs) doing the thing of like that she does with lorelei like what do you think of this outfit and whatnot Mm -hmm. and tana's just not too interested in that um no brand of friendship (laughs) it seems (laughs) her her advice is that people work based off of pheromones and so what rory should do is jog in place for a little while and work up a good musk which is just such a Unless you're describing candles, I don't really want to be talking about musks. <laughs> no, not really. Also, during this scene, Paris it has called a roommates meeting where she apparently is the only one bringing a grievance and it's <laughs> against <laughs> Janet. Uh, she talks about it being about healing and redemption and making amends. And then she just like goes on another rampage about Janet working out and they start this big argument and it ends with I think you mentioned this earlier with Paris uh challenging Janet to a race and they bolt out of the door as Trevor arrives to pick up mm-hmm. Rory for the date very good that, impression <laughs> that little moment was my gazebo moment um I just thought it was so comical like the whole conflict between them was very standard like roommate stuff but to take it to the next mm-hmm. level of something so silly I just thought it was a wonderful <laughs> bow on top of this storyline and the way that Janet's like no but then Paris just like books it out of the room <laughs> so Janet's like hey and has to go catch up with her I can just like picture them on their like race around the quad or whatever and I don't believe we find out which of them won the race mm-hmm. by the end of the episode um who do you who do you think was the winner I don't I I mean Janet obviously has is the better runner but I feel like Paris is so driven by spite and (laughs) hatred and stuff that Uh she could find something within her (laughs) that Janet can't compete with yeah and potentially win and she'd be yelling the whole way yeah I also feel like Paris (laughs) could definitely play dirty and like Mm -hmm. just yeah push Janet into a bush or something like that so that's true but I will say Paris's like request is no alarms before 7 a.m and I feel like that is a fairly good compromise Mm -hmm. I mean maybe other people feel differently but like there's no reason I ever want to be up before 7 but that's just me yeah (laughs) I have to get up at 5 30 oh my god (laughs) but I do understand like I I think I don't know. I feel like there needs to be a compromise because I definitely agree with 
not having to wake up before seven, but also Janet mentions that she's on a partial or full athletic scholarship. So it's like she has to prioritize her training. Mm-hmm. So maybe they just need to go alarm clock shopping and figure out one that's much <laughs> quieter. Alarm clock. <laughs> also, yeah. I probably shouldn't poke too many holes into the storyline, but athletes would have access to the gym I would yeah believe. that's true <laughs> yep so especially if she has a scholarship I feel like she definitely would have access to like nice facilities and whatnot so there's that yeah I bet Yale has like state-of-the-art gyms for their athletes I don't maybe. know do Ivy League schools really put that much stock in athletics maybe not as I don't much. keep up with that <laughs> who's to say yeah <laughs> After this, we get a scene that the whole scene is my gazebo moment. Um, We're at Lorelai's house and Luke arrives for their movie night. He's brought all sorts of food. Of course, Lorelai has also already ordered a whole bunch of food. And she does her weird explanation of why, (laughs) which is she likes leftovers, which I understand. Although Chinese Chinese food reheated is never good so I don't know what she's talking about there. you have to take like special care of the rice so that mm-hmm. it's not like just so crunchy so, yeah yeah good point but they get started watching Lorelai has all these rules for how they have to behave during the movie which of course she's gonna break all of them like no talking <laughs> no answering the phone all that stuff um <laughs> Luke is apparently completely unacquainted with any sort of film I couldn't tell. I think he was kind of playing this up a bit. Mm. Um, obviously, he hasn't seen Casablanca, but I'm sure he's seen the FBI warning before. So I think that was just <laughs> to get Lorelai uh, on a on like a diatribe about <laughs> Luke not being cultured or whatever. But it was a very cute scene and just predictive of their potential relationship that won't happen for many weeks yet. Like we talked before... They, like, introduce Jason, and now it's been two episodes, and we haven't seen him. And it's, like, why put in this Luke and Mm Lorelai scene? Like, it might be leading us to think, like, oh, they're about to date. And so are they just trying to, like, mislead us purposefully so that we're surprised that her next thing is with Jason? Like, I guess why put this in at this time? I I think it is to build suspense because we still have to wait for the whole season before their first kiss yeah I don't know because it definitely yeah I don't know it must just be to build suspense or something and then or maybe to show Lorelai is still completely oblivious to Luke's interest in her so she doesn't even think of it before she starts going out with Jason yeah and I guess they do get on the topic of dating and Lorelai Mm -hmm. is of the position that you kind of have to date to find someone and so That could be setting her up to like, we're like, oh, we think maybe the person she would date would be Luke, but it's actually going to be someone else. (laughs) Oh, and she dated John Hamm. Oh, yeah. That was totally dating. Erasure number two. (laughs) Ah. Yeah. This is. He's forgettable. Unforgivable. he's boring. Yeah. (laughs) Sadly. But Alex, he was there for almost a whole season. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. Um, Speaking of dating, Rory meanwhile is on her date with Trevor and it doesn't seem to be going so well um Rory is having a hard time like 
keeping the conversation going <laughs> poor girl mm-hmm. um like trevor i feel like is trying his best he's like yeah sharing personal info about like his hometown and his brother and i thought that rory would like wasn't listening almost like wasn't paying attention but then later on she says to Lorelai like I I just keep bringing the conversation to a halt so I think she's maybe just like overwhelmed and feels the pressure Mm -hmm. and all but like (laughs) she he's like oh have you been to Chicago because she said like yeah it's a cool city and she's like no nothing (laughs) else like doesn't she says she has no siblings and then doesn't offer anything else like Mm -hmm. it's hard and then She's thrown off when he sits on the same side of the table as her. that is weird. What do you, are you like a same side or across the side, hypothetically speaking, person? I'm across the side diagonal as far as you can get. (laughs) Stay away. (laughs) Sit down on the table. (laughs) Don't want to be sharing any personal space. (laughs) Uh What about you? Across across the table. It's just practical for conversation and space. Yeah. Like, I think I can count on, like, one hand the number of times that my partner and I have sat on the same side. Mm -hmm. It's rare. Yeah, it's just, like, you bump elbows and stuff, and you have to turn your head to look at, to talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. It was a weird, weird move by Trevor. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Rory ends up, she also has this little anecdote about urine mints, which is kind of iconic. I always remember that. Um, And then... We get back to Lorelai and Luke's movie night, but we're interrupted by Rory calling from her date to complain about how badly it's going. I thought this was another uh, instance of them being good at, like, figuring out a way to kind of meld the two storylines totally. or two characters who are apart from each other. And it makes a lot of sense that Rory would call for advice in such an awkward circumstance yeah it felt organic like Mm -hmm. I think they have relied a bit on the like phone call maneuver as a way to keep things intertwined but like I just I barely even notice it like it doesn't feel forced and like Mm -hmm. you're saying like it's just a very natural way like they would be like I believe wholeheartedly this is what they would do you know Mm -hmm. so it fit (laughs) Yeah, Lorelai would answer the phone in the middle of Casablanca because of Rory's <laughs> sad voice. <laughs> um, but uh, Lorelai's first advice is kind of that she just needs to push through. Um, sometimes you have to go on bad dates and that's okay. It'll be a story for the next date and that can be a story for the next date mm-hmm. on and on. <laughs> Um, They hang up, but then Luke and Lorelai start to kind of commiserate about how much dating sucks. And then Luke gives some great advice, which prompts Lorelai to call Rory back and tell her to pretend that she feels a draft and move to the other side of the table. um, And then, like, ask some follow-up questions on things. So Luke, I think, was saved the day here. Another good example of them tag-teaming. Yeah. So this is what gets Luke and Lorelai talking about their own feelings about dating. I think we covered that a bit already. But Luke does say, like, I know within seconds when I'm comfortable Mm -hmm. with someone, he's more of a, like, go-by-the-gut kind of guy. And I was just like, hint, hint, I know when I'm comfortable with someone as they're just, like, so comfortable together for a movie night. Yeah. This conversation is interrupted by yet another phone call. From Emily, once again, mm-hmm. not happy, once again. Um, Emily has reached out to Natalie, we find out, and Natalie has told her she can no longer work with her. 
and Emily is upset by that. I should also mention that she's probably not too happy because prior to her talking with Lorelai, Luke has answered the phone, mm-hmm. probably thinking it was Rory again. <laughs> and Lorelai and him like have this conversation while he holds the phone away. But like clearly Emily can hear everything and yeah. Lorelai saying like, tell her I'm not here. Like <laughs> it's He doesn't so... even have his thumb over this the speaker. <laughs> I know. I'm like no wonder Emily's like she's already grumpy with you and now it's even worse like neither Emily or Lorelai are like playing this well at all Mm -hmm. but um Emily's just upset that Natalie has blown her off and Lorelai is like oh I don't know she's just like well I'll I won't work with her then if you have a problem with it and Emily's like no you don't have to do that and Lorelai's like I'm gonna do it anyway like so petulant both of them are so petulant here yeah emily's like making all these passive aggressive lines about how asking whether she's allowed to talk to people anymore is she allowed to talk to richard her husband (laughs) it's just both of yeah they're both so petty and poor natalie like she should have had a warning before getting involved with either of them because i'm sure she like put in a whole bunch of time and effort and cost and stuff for working with the dragonfly because i'm sure it's a lot of like preliminary work and now it's just out the window because of this ridiculous fight i know and like <sighs> how cool would it be to design a whole inn like yeah. that probably is like she said like a really cool project for her to have and yeah. then to lose it over something silly like this i can only hope she's paid like by the hour so she's already compensated yeah, or severance. she gets like a if you leave me early package yeah. like she has a fee or something because she deserves to be paid by both Lorelai and Emily now <laughs> yeah and uh, I feel bad for Sookie who yeah. really liked Natalie and it Lorelai again is making these di- business decisions which we've mentioned we've noticed before like uh in that one episode where Lorelai kind of decided that Sookie wouldn't be a good business partner and all that Mm. Lorelai keeps making all these decisions based off of her own problems with other people without taking into account Suki as a business partner and like respecting Suki as a business partner who should have an equal say in things and sometimes just putting aside your ridiculous little grievances is just so so annoying yep couldn't agree more at this point we're nearing the end of the episode Rory just shows up again in Sars Hollow after her date and comes home to talk to Lorelai. Luke has fallen asleep on the couch. Quite <laughs> so cute. cute. And I noticed that Rory says Luke looks comfy or comfortable or something like mm-hmm. that. And I thought that was a good callback to him saying he knows when he's comfortable with someone. He's comfortable with Lorelai. But yeah, like before things end, Lorelai and Rory continue to have this dating debate and Lorelai says, you know, Rory might have to hunt a little bit to find her next guy. Mm-hmm. Little does she know. Yeah. But hey. That, <laughs> that prompts the very last scene, which is back in the Yale laundry room. I guess not back. We haven't actually been there, but we've heard about mm-hmm. it. But we're in the Yale laundry room and a guy is in there. And apparently uh, he's putting stuff into the washer that Rory's stuff had been in so she asks him what happened and he very nicely had like put it into his own basket so it didn't get all messed up Mm -hmm. and he's his basket is covered in stickers for bands and stuff I think the Smiths is one of the ones that they mention and so that starts up a conversation 
it's like a natural good conversation and then as he leaves the laundry room Rory gets this light bulb moment and is just like would you want to go and get coffee at some point and he says no (laughs) which I thought was hilarious I'm pretty sure he comes back up later but oh yeah I remember in a bad way (laughs) yeah very bad bad for Rory (laughs) but his him saying I don't think so but thanks (laughs) was Mm -hmm. my just ass attack because and, and in a bad way, like, that had to hurt so bad to hear. Mm-hmm. Like, she finally put herself out there only for this guy to just be like, eh, nah. And he's, like, not yeah. even rude about it. He doesn't make a big deal. But I'm just like, oh, my God. Why did he say no? Or, like, he could have given her her number, his number, and then, like, ghosted her. Ghosted, whatever. <laughs> but he was just like, no. But it seemed like they were getting along. So, like, why didn't mm-hmm. he want... It was a cup of coffee. She didn't even ask him for, like, a full-fledged date. I'm just like, dude. Yeah. That hurts. I don't know. I'm perfectly fine with him saying no, I think. it Like, <laughs> this scene made me think of if the opposite had happened. Like, if a guy asked a girl out, he would never have let her just say no. And the whole, like, girls always have to have an excuse. So, I was like, you know, he doesn't need an excuse. But I get what you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get where you're coming from as well. Poor Rory. Her first rejection. Her first try. And she won't try again until Logan. (laughs) It hurts so much that she decided to go back to her ex. (laughs) Oh, God. She failed to continue dating. Even, like, Logan kind of, like, falls into her lap, you know, when Mm -hmm. she's still with Dean. So I don't even know if I call that dating. But we'll get there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Soon-ish. Soonish, we'll get there. Ish, yeah. <laughs> to my joy. Who was your MVP for this episode? My MVP was a real professional who deserved better. Natalie, the designer. <laughs> Mine How about you? Too. Mine yeah. is Natalie. Natalie as well. Lorelai was. I mean, there were a lot of great Lorelai moments, but she also had some very bad moments in this episode. Yeah. Rory was just kind of meh in this episode to me, I think. Natalie was really a standout. Yeah. Rory was close for me in terms of like I can be shy. Um, and mm-hmm. so like trying to date in college was also a struggle for me because like I did like want to be dating. I did want romantic connections and whatnot, but I was just like I couldn't stand the thought of, like, first dates. Like, I'd rather Mm -hmm. just be on the second or the third date. And that's why, like, the dating apps, which Rory doesn't even have to deal with yet here, are – they were hard for me because I would just start chatting with someone and chat for the longest time but then never actually meet with them. And they'd be like, let's meet. And I'd be like, I'm too shy. So, um, (laughs) yeah, Rory was close to my MVP for that reason because I was like, I feel you, girl. (laughs) How did you meet your current partner? Did you meet on a dating app or did you meet organically? No, we actually met in high school. Oh. Yeah, but we're not like high school sweethearts (laughs) because we weren't dating then. He was actually Mm -hmm. dating one of my best friends now and then. um, But they're cool. They're cool about it. Um, (laughs) High school relationships uh, barely count. (laughs) Yeah, that's how they they both feel. Don't worry. I made sure everything was cool. (laughs) But... Our our colleges were near each other in undergrad. Like his was like on my way to and from home. So I'd often visit him and other friends there. And then I ended up going there for grad school. Like of all the different colleges I applied mm. to, 
this was the one that gave me funding and all. So I came mm-hmm. here and then we rekindled from there and the rest is history. Kismet. Now we're yeah. in our sixth year of dating, I believe. So yeah. And engaged. And engaged. It's true. <laughs> well, that that's romantic. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, that's the episode. Yeah. That was, that was a good one. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Again, I don't know what's coming next. I think maybe Jason, but I said that last week. So we'll see. Jason is on the horizon somewhere. (laughs) He has to be. All right. Well, talk Talk soon. soon. Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.